going on, everybody? It's your girl Pam with 20 Century Taps. Hey, I want to mark today like a day in history. I'm going to timestamp it. It's March 8th. And the reason I'm timestamping is because gas jumped 20 cents overnight and it jumped 70 cents in like like five days or some shit like that. Something crazy. Um, yeah, so I'm making a timestamp on this because this is literally like never going to happen again, hopefully, ever. Uh, and yeah, so that's the only reason I'm saying that. But anyhow, back to your regular, regularly scheduled broadcast program, whatever you want to call it. I am joined today by a dear friend. He, uh, this is going to be funny. Like th- for those that can't see, he is holding his own cell phone. For those that can see, this might be a hot mess, like hot mess express. And the only reason I say that is because he's blind. That's not funny. But once you get to knowing this guy, it is kind of funny. But I want to introduce to him. He's a good dear friend of mine. He is a, an, an athlete with ATF. I met him at the gym. Uh, he's also a Marine Corps veteran. We tend to have a lot of goofy mother truckers. And there's no filter with this guy. So who knows what the hell's going to happen this episode. And that's what's fun about this, right? So Nate, thank you for joining us, dude. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pam. Totally. <laughs> Hold hey. on. I'm trying to get my damn alarm off. It came on. Now it's... Not one to go off. And here we go. I'm trying to get a blind off. man trying to turn his alarm off. <laughs> I set an alarm so it wouldn't be late. And then I jumped on. And, and now it's getting it in the middle of this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're not on YouTube, you need to subscribe because you don't want to miss Can it. Can you hear the alarm at all? A little bit. I thought it was me, but now I know it's not. Okay. Maybe that'll turn off for now. Oh, that's good. That's good. So anyhow, Nate, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Pam. I really appreciate it and helping me get my story out. And It's cool. Hell yeah. And for those that don't know, Nate is a superstar. He's like this Oscar award-winning actor. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but... <laughs> well, Nate is actually uh, the guy that... He kicked off our movie, Damned If I Do, and I will put a link on the bottom of this episode, whether you're streaming or you're watching on YouTube. And, uh, you know, it was a last-minute fill-in. I'm like, hey, dude, you want to be in a movie? He's like, uh, what do I got to do? I'm like, play a blind guy. He's like, I can do that. <laughs> so uh, he did it. He did it very well, and he's been one of the biggest supporters with our mission and the movie. And I think it's great, man. We love you. You know that. Thank you very much. I love you too, Pam. Totally. And I love what you're doing with your podcast and everything else. So, Thanks, man. Well, let's let's dive in, shall we? Okay. Let's do it. I'm going to be honest. I feel like hammered dog shit because my best friend in Chicago, yesterday I was talking to her on the phone. She had a cold and I was yeah. giving her shit. And because God's got a funny sense of humor, now I have a cold. Yep. <laughs> it's to your the like, phone, damn it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thanks for giving it to me, asshole. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a good friend. Right. I don't and know. Sharing is caring, right? I really wish she didn't care, though, because I, I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I actually just came back from the gym, too. So we got in a good little nice. workout. But um, yeah, man. So I, you know, your story, when you shared it with me, I was like, what? And then when you shared it at an event that we had at the school, even people were blown away. And it's not really my place to share your story or anybody's for that matter, but this one, this one really got me. And it was incredible for so many reasons. So many freaking reasons. Um, hi, forgot to put my cell phone on mute. Um, I want to kind of take it back. You were in the Marine Corps, correct? Yes. How many years did you do? Eight years total uh, for active res- or active duty. Four active, four reserves? Yep. Okay. Did you, um, and you didn't have, you weren't blind, you weren't, you didn't have no, any of these I was, issues. I was totally able-bodied, uh, listening in Marine Corps in late 02, left for boot camp in 03, ended up deploying to Iraq in 05 into 06 for, it was about a nine-month deployment to Fallujah, Iraq, and I knew, you know, I knew I'm, I might not come back at all or might come back missing parts. But I came back relatively in one piece, uh, you know, just with some mental stuff, PTSD and Dude, whatnot. You were in Fallujah? Yeah, I was in Fallujah, Iraq. Um, wow. And uh, 
then when I got back, and when I got out of the Marine Corps, I became a police officer up in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, where I used to live. And uh, I actually saw probably a lot more shit than I did in Fallujah, quite honestly. I got shot at more uh, on the streets of Kansas City, which is bullshit, I think. But uh, it, it's what it is. It's life. Um, so I had a few close calls uh, being a cop as well. Um, but then uh, while I was employed with the PD, uh, I went out riding uh, my motorcycle with a friend of mine who I actually went to the police academy with. This was off-duty, right? Yes, this was off-duty. Okay. Um, and we went out riding all day. It was in, in the middle of winter, uh, December 9th, 2015. It, it snowed a couple days before, but it melted, and it was it was nice weather. Uh, I was just wearing jeans and jeans and t-shirt and denim shirt, you know. Didn't wear leathers or anything because it was nice. We went out riding all day long, and then we finally split up for the day. Because uh, he had to work a 24-hour shift the next day. He was a paramedic for Kansas City Fire. Mm. And then I was supposed to take my kids and my wife at the time uh, out to St. Louis to visit some family. But I never made it home. Um, I went. I had about a 45 to a 50-minute ride home. Because my buddy lived in the south part of Kansas City, Ryan. He, he lived close to Grandview. Um, and then I, had, I lived on the way north side of Kansas City. So I had a long drive and in the middle of there, um, there was an area of highway called the Grandview triangle. And from the air, it looks like a giant triangle. It's just a whole mess of highways converged on one area. And a lot of accidents happen there because people will think they're on the exit for interstate 435 when they're really on the exit for 71 highway or vice versa. And they'll swerve over last minute and cause an accident. Um, and they think that's what happened. Somebody swerved over on me, and I slammed on my brakes. Uh, I was riding a, a 1700 Yamaha Roadstar, so it was a big, big-ass cruiser. Nah. Um, it wasn't a crotch rocket or anything. It was a heavy bike. Um, and uh, slammed on my brakes, left some pretty good streaks on the pavement, jerked my handlebars to the left, and it went right in between two guardrails, ended up riffing off a saddlebag on my bike, and went into kind of a grassy median area, and I ended up hitting one of those big green highway signs that tell you which way to go. Um, I hit it mostly with my body, from what I've been told, uh, but I hit it hard enough to break the sign. Um, they estimate I was going about 60 to 70 miles an hour at the time of impact. Um, I broke the signpost, or broke the sign, and the signpost that was still sticking up is what sheared my leg off uh totally ripped it off below the knee um completely uh, and it mangled my knee so much that i they ended up having to take it above the knee uh so it's, it's about seven eight inches above the knee now Jeez. Uh, so i'm above the knee amputee and then just past that sign it slowed down about another 20 feet and it, uh that's where i landed so nobody could see me from the road even though in the morning it's very high traffic area you know a lot of rush hour traffic for work and things like that but nobody could see me so real quick I don't, mean so much lower. I don't mean to cut you out just real quick what kind of day no, what kind of time of day was this just i'm just curious was this in the morning this was in the evening? in the night okay. uh this is in the evening at night um it okay. was i estimate i it was probably around eight or nine <laughs> at night mm-hmm but it might have been earlier. It might have been later. I, I'm not quite sure. But it, was, the timeline. it was towards evening. Yes. Got it. Um, okay. So I'm sure it was dark, uh, especially being wintertime. Yeah. You know, it gets dark pretty early. Yeah. But anyway, once I landed, you know, 20 feet lower than where I impacted the sign, nobody could see me. And I ended up laying out there uh, for 14 and a half hours before I was found. Or approximately 14 and a half hours. That, that's what they estimate um and uh just bleeding out i was just bleeding to death uh pretty much um and the one thing i, I remember very clearly uh from that day i i hope i gained more just because i, I want to know what happened exactly i'm i'm curious um but the one thing i do remember very 
clearly and very vividly like it happened yesterday. Um, I remember there being a bright light above me. And I don't, I don't know if I was laying face up, face down on my side or what. You know, I, I know I was in a lot of shock, I'm sure. But I remember there being a bright light above me. And I thought, well, that's strange. The street lights are on. But they would have been on because I was riding home at night. And they would have still been on that next morning when they found me. Mm. But as I was going in and out of consciousness from all the blood I was losing, this light kept getting bigger and bigger. And before long, it was as big as the whole sky. I, I couldn't look in a direction and not see this light. It was very beautiful, very peaceful and calming. It didn't, you know, it didn't hurt my eyes like staring. And then all of a sudden, I see these two humongous gates, uh, very intricate, um, but they're they're huge and they're open toward me. And light is just emanating from these gates almost like they're made of solid gold or something. I mean, just very brilliant. Um, and I see a figure just sitting inside those gates. And I was, you know, I was, I grew up in the church. I was very religious growing up and, you know, I, I knew about God and Jesus. And uh, I thought, holy crap, I'm getting ready to see Jesus. And uh, as I get closer and closer, I see it's my dad. Um, and my dad, passed away let's see i think this july 7th it'll be 26 27 years ago that he passed away from stomach cancer you used, uh, you were I, what 14 you said i was 14 almost 15 when he passed okay uh, so i'd have to go back and do the math no, for the exact number but you're okay uh, but uh i knew i'd see him again someday but i, I wasn't expecting to be quite so soon uh, and he literally looked completely perfect before he got cancer, he was, you know, a little overweight, typical dad bod, I'd say, you know, not, he, he didn't go to the gym and work out, you know, he just worked to take care of his family. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that cancer ate him away to nothing. Um, he was just skin and bones when he died. Um, but he didn't look like either one of those. He literally looked completely perfect, you know, a very youthful body. He was perfect. He was wearing all white. He had a full red beard, same color as mine. Um, not not near as long as mine, but uh, he was sitting there and he had his arms outstretched like he was waiting to hug me. And he just had this shit-eating grin on his face. And I, I don't know what it was about his smile. Everybody loved his smile. Mm. I don't know if it was the way his lip curled or he had a crooked tooth or, or I don't know what it was, but everybody loved that smile. It was so welcoming, so warm. Um, and everybody loved him. Uh, he was just the nicest guy to anybody. Um, he'd give you the shirt off his back if you needed it mm. kind of guy. Um, there were literally thousands of people that came to his funeral because he had that kind of impact on people. Even, even going through his cancer and, um, his doctors, you know, loved him. Um, they, I mean, he was like their best patient, you know, he hardly ever complained, you know, and he, he went through a lot of pain. He hurt a lot. But I never once saw him complain once, never get mad at God, never get mad at the doctors, never get mad at his situation. Um, he was just amazing. Um, Sounds like a good dude. Yeah, he was. He was a good dude. And so I thought, holy crap, you know, um, that's my day. And uh, we just kept getting closer and closer very slowly. Um, so I'm reaching up to grab him. And finally, our, we get close enough to, our, to where our fingertips are about an inch to an inch and a half from touching. And then everything went black. And I'm like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> That's really, literally what I thought. I thought, holy crap, what the heck? Everything went black. And then in that utter darkness, I felt an extreme shock through my whole body all at once. And it, it wasn't painful, but it, it was a definite electric shock through my whole body. My chest jumped up and my back arched. And when it came back down, I could see a little bit of light. And I could make out two figures that were above me while I was in the back of the ambulance. And they had shocked me with the defibrillator at least once that I know of. They might have been shocking me, though. Uh, I never found out. Uh, and then the paramedic that was close to my head turned to third, who was and said, all right, we got him. Let's go. So I heard the sirens come on. 
which were very familiar to me. And I felt this pull away from the side of the road and I drifted back off in the darkness. Um, I was in my initial coma for five and a half weeks. I had no signs of life at all. Uh, machines were keeping me alive, keeping my heart beating, keeping my lungs pumping, uh, everything. Um, yeah. And finally, um, on a Friday, if I remember right, from what I've been told, uh, doctors came to my then wife, who's now my ex, um, and said, by Monday, you've got some tough decisions to make. You, know, you need to tell us whether or not to unplug them. So she's in my room with my stepmom, and they're praying and crying. And um, all of a sudden, uh, she's not really my my stepmom. I always called her my stepmom growing up. Uh, she's my best friend in high school. It's his mom. Uh, but she treated me like her son, you know. So she was my mom. Um, she all of a sudden looked at my wife, and she's like, did you see that? And she's like, yeah, I did. She's like, good. I, I thought I was just seeing it in my head and willing it uh, in my head. But I, I barely just moved a finger, just barely. So they went and got the doctors. And by this time, this was very early Monday morning. Uh, so they were within hours of having to decide to unplug me or not. So they went and got the doctors, said, no, he's still in there. We're not unplugging him yet. And I came out of my coma shortly after that, uh, within a couple of days after that. What? Yeah. So did what, yeah. were you in a medically induced coma? No. So you were they, in a they coma. They put me in a medically induced coma later. Um, I know when I had my skin grafts because yeah. I was in so much pain, they couldn't uh, – they couldn't regulate anything, so they had to put me back in a, into a coma. But this one was just a natural coma. Jeez. Jeez. They said I'd never walk again, never talk again, <laughs> if I survived, which is a, a very big if. Um, I'd pretty much be a vegetable. Hmm. So what was um, – damn, dude. In fact, they, doctors gave me less than – one percent chance of survival said if i survived i'd be a vegetable you know on life support pretty much my whole life um couldn't eat wouldn't be able to talk wouldn't be able to walk um and uh i'm proving them proving them wrong you know uh, and i'm very thankful for the things they learn in, in medical school and things like that but doctors Man. don't know everything you know, they call it medical practice for a reason because right. it's practice. Well, let me ask you this. Were you, did you already have your boys by then? Were you already? Yes. You yes. already had all of them? Yep. So My youngest was three at the time and he's now 10, I believe, nine or 10. Wow. So what was the, what was the healing process like for you? First, first of all, holy crap. What a story. Yeah. <laughs> Cause every time you share that, I'm just like. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'd shit my pants at the at the at the pearly gates, or I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. Um, I, I've been asked before by people if if I did basically shit myself or defecate, you know, or lose my bowel or my bowels and bladder and things like that, because I pretty much did die. Um, I mean, I I imagine I I flatlined because I mean they were they were using a yeah, dude. A defibrillator to start my heart again. And real quick. When, when, when they got me to the hospital, I had a half a unit of blood still in me. They had to give me seven and a half units of blood. That's how much blood I lost. In 14 I pretty hours. pretty much lost all of it. Yeah. In 14 hours in the bitter cold, and the cold is what literally saved your life. Saved my life. Yeah. It helped coagulate the blood faster. If it had been any warmer, I would have bled out. You would have been dead. Very quickly. Because I've seen people bleed out in seconds. Yeah. Whew. Well, jeez. So the healing process, you, you come out of the hospital. Yeah. And you're still in Kansas City at this time, right? Yes. What was that like and what led you up to uh, the Adaptive Training Foundation? Um, I'd gone on, you know, I, once I got out of the hospitals and stuff, uh, I, I was in a uh, research medical center in, in Kansas City, which was a trauma one hospital fantastic hospital they took great care of me there 
And then they transferred me up to Madonna Rehab Hospital up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it, it's kind of cool. The the guy that I, I was riding with, my buddy Ryan, um, he was a paramedic. So he got his crew to transport me up to Madonna um, the day that I went up there. And I have vague memories of that day because uh, they the hospital wasn't going to send me. Uh, they weren't going to let me go. And it was uh, just up in the air. Okay, let's, let's let him go. No, he's, he's not stable enough. And it was, it was a fight to get me to go up there. Um, so they finally got me up there. I spent <laughs> I think about two months at research in Kansas City and then about seven weeks at Madonna okay. Rehab Hospital up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And then when I got home from there, see, I, I came home Easter weekend. 2016 because um, I remember I, I'm pretty sure I, I went to church on that Easter Sunday I might not have that might have been the day that I came home I don't remember now it's all right but I know it was it was a big deal you know, when, when I came home you know there were cop escorts uh, you know blocking the streets for us when I got home and there was a lot of people at the house and it was it was a pretty cool welcoming home. But anyway, I ended up going up to Heinz rehab hospital, uh, blind, blind rehab hospital in, um, later that year, uh, November of that year. And I spent three months at blind rehab school up in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and that, that was good for me. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I learned there, uh, the computer skills, learn how to type. I was never a good typer. Um, still and it not. sucked. Top type. Yeah. I'm still <laughs> not, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I was never good. You know, I was just picked, you know, picked letters, you know, finger pecking. Um, in fact, my, my partner sometimes, uh, when I was on the department, we'd be writing our reports and he'd be like, tell me what you want to write and I'll, I'll write it so we can get out of here. I'm like, all right. So, we, so we'd, we'd tag team and get it done so we could leave. Let me, let me, um, can I add on to that real quick? Yeah. Guys, if you're listening, let me, let me tell you it, man, Nate's blonde <coughs> and this dude, I don't know how he does it, but he'll text me. He'll get on face space. He'll like comments. He'll do like all the stuff. Just a normal person that can see can do and at first i'm like how the hell is he doing this it was so weird i was like this is so weird now i'm used to it but yeah Yeah. i guess that school really helped you because you're making it work dude you really are (laughs) well thanks totally thanks that means a lot it it took me a long time to get used to it uh you know because i've got voiceover on my phone you know it's kind of funny i i used to be um pretty hardcore against apple products yeah, uh, i had a, i had a good friend that worked for apple he was uh, a tech supporter um in fact when you call apple tech support he's one of the ones you talk to mm. but he's high up um in order to talk to him you've got to gone have gone through two or three other techs that couldn't figure it out yet before yeah. getting to him <clears throat> well he worked at home um I went to church with him at the time up in Kansas city and uh, his wife was pregnant. They were getting ready to have their first kid. And uh, I think it was our first, it might've been their second, but I'm pretty sure it was their first. And he had a really crappy boss and we were praying that he would get a better boss and he finally got one. And we're like, yeah, that's awesome. And um, praising them for that. And um, that new boss ended up being a real shit bag. And started lying and about this this friend of mine saying he wasn't he wasn't turning in accurate time cards because he, he worked from home, um, things like that, and just making up all kinds of accusations against him. Well, they ended up letting him go, and so that pissed me off. Um, you know, I'm pissed off at Apple because they let off my good friend right before he's supposed to have a baby, you know, he's going to lose insurance, things like that. How are they going to pay for it? We might need to get him on the show. Exactly. <laughs> Jesus. So, so I'm like, I can I relate was, to some of this stuff. 
Yeah. Jeez. So I was pissed off. I was very hardcore with Apple. I had a Samsung to begin with. I think that's what I had when I had my wreck. Um, and after my accident, you know, the VA, they helped me get voiceover on on my phone and yeah. things like that. And it just never was very good. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it wouldn't work. I had a hard time making phone calls or texting people. No. I had to have, always had to have help um, until I got my iPhone. Um, and then it, you know, it's got voiceover and uh, Siri and things like that. And I used to have to have it sped down way low so I could understand it because mm-hmm. it, it was just something new. Now I'm speeding it up so fast. I think I've got it about 75, 80%. Well, real quick, real quick. I don't know if people know what you're talking about. I do, but it's okay. his voiceover. Basically his phone talks to him is what, what it is. Yeah. And it's a screen reader. It basically reads the screen to it, me. Yeah. It reads it for him. So he knows what, it, you know what it's saying. <laughs> However, I have heard this thing go off and if all of us have, and we're like, what the <laughs> Because it's like, like it's super fast, and you get you understand it, and we're just yeah. like, what the hell did you just say? You're like, oh my, my Uber driver's here, and we're like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> okay, I guess, and it's so foreign to us, but you get it. Like, yeah. how cool is and that? It's, it's taken me a long time to get to that point because um, yeah, I used to go on trips with other blind vets and stuff, yeah. and. We'd be sitting around at the end of the night listening to music or whatever, and they'd be playing music on the speakers or whatever, and they'd be swiping through their stuff so fast. I'm like, how can you even understand what they're saying? <laughs> my, I can barely understand what mine is saying. And they're like, you'll it's, get there. It's special. And once I learned how to speed it up and slow it down, you know, now I can speed it up real fast and I understand it. <clears throat> well, hey, I want to jump into something real quick because you and I can like yeah. go. You and I both have TBIs. You probably way worse than me. So we can go sideways and chase squirrels all day and never get back to what oh, we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Oh my gosh. I'm like, what were you saying? Oh yeah. And but but I love these conversations. Um I wanted to ask you, because there's a part in our movie in the very beginning, when you're talking oh. to, to our character, Chief, and you're like, you know, I thought I was good too until, you know, I was sitting alone home alone. With my demons in one hand and my service pistol in the other. So in the other. Yeah. You actually told me that in person probably like a few days before the shoot and I wrote it into the script. Yeah. And I asked you, I'm like, can I use that in the script? You said yes. Was that – what we're talking about is being suicidal is what we're talking yes. about. Yes. Because guys – you know, yeah, Nate and I can sit here and shoot the shit. Yeah, we can talk about, you know, his his buddy's boss being a dipshit or, you know, a shitbag or whatever. But but in reality, you're still struggling. You're still struggling yes. with so much stuff. What was it that you were struggling with that got you to that point? Um, I think one of the big things was I felt helpless and alone, yeah. um, especially being at being in the dark all the time, um, um, or being blind, you know, I, I have a hard time, you know, even, even when I'm with a crowd of people sitting at the table, you know, having dinner, laughing, joking, whatever, I still sometimes have a hard time getting involved with other people's conversations because I can't see their facial expressions. I can't see their eyes if they're you know, if they're talking to me, I don't, I don't know when people are asking me a question unless they yeah. personally address me. I'm like, oh, okay, you're talking to me. Okay. No. And then I answer. Uh, so it's it's very lonely, uh, very lonely place at times. Um, even though I do so much, I, I'm very active, it can feel very alone. Um, the blind so I felt, Yes. So I felt very alone all the time. Uh, I felt very helpless. Um you know, I'd get up in the morning and I, I well, I'd, I would go to bed and I would, I would wish and pray that I wouldn't wake up in the morning. Uh, I just didn't want it. I, I was going through so much pain, physical pain, mental pain, spiritual pain, everything, uh, emotional pain. I just didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want to feel that pain anymore. Yeah. Um, and um, in fact, before, before I came down to class, 
2012 at ATF, uh, you know, I was, I was having problems, struggles with my wife at the time. She was trying to kick me out of the house. Um, and I'm like, how are you going to kick a one-legged blind guy out of his own house when you can see? You can go places, and you can find another place. If you don't want to be around me, go somewhere else. Mm. Um, so it didn't make any sense to me. And come to find out, you know, she was cheating on me at the time, and she ended up stealing a lot of money from me. But that's that's another story. Um, but I felt very alone all the time. Um, and I was mad at God. Uh, Where were you mad about him? I, what were you mad at him for? Um, for letting this happen, uh, yeah. for causing it to happen, I thought. Um, and I, I even questioned if there really was a God. Um, you know, I, but I, I know there is because I've, I've seen heaven. Um, but I still struggled with it. Um, and feeling helpless, having to ask for help to do stuff all the time. Um, you know, I mean, there was a time when I first came back from the hospital. You know, I, I have um, HO or heterotropic ossification in my right elbow. What is uh, that? It's basically bone buildup. Uh, it's calcium deposits that are, it's made of the same stuff our, our bones are made up of. Got it. Um, and it builds up in joints. Usually from a traumatic event, and they normally happen in the knees, the hips, or the elbows. And come to find out, um, if it's coupled with a a brain injury, it's gonna almost always happen in the elbow, in the dominant elbow. Wow! And mine happens to be the right elbow. Um, but most most of my injuries were on the right side anyway. Um, and that might be part of it too. I, I don't know. So I can't, I can't extend my elbow out all the way and I can't bring it in all the way. Got it. You know, I, I can't, I don't even have probably, I can't even bend it it to a 90, 90 degree angle. So you don't have full range uh, of motion. Yes, exactly. Okay. So at the time it was when I came back from the hospital, it was almost completely straight. I couldn't bend it, couldn't do anything. So there was a time, you know, there was times when I first got back from the hospital, um, I couldn't even wipe my own ass. I'd have to call my wife in, uh, tell me wipe my ass. And that that's tough as a, as, for anybody, but especially as a 34 year old man, mm-hmm. uh, who was a Marine and a cop, you know, that that's very humbling. Uh, that that's hard. Um, so for reasons like that and feeling helpless, having to have help doing everything, having to help, help, you know, cut my food up so I can eat it, things like that. Um, it was just difficult. Um, and I got very suicidal, um, cause I just didn't want to live anymore. Uh, I, I would rather be dead than go through all this pain anymore. Um, and from what I saw from the, my glimpse of heaven, when I saw my dad, it was amazing. My dad was perfect. And I was right there. I was literally an inch away. And I was pissed off at my wife for that. I felt like she took that away from me, um, which caused more problems, too, because I, I resented her and uh, was bitter towards her about that. So you you're, you owned your shit. You're owning. You've, you, you've been able to, like, own you. Like, hey, this is how I showed up. I treated her like shit. I did this. I did oh, that. Absolutely. And by doing that, what what did that do for you? Um, there's a reason I'm asking because we often, I think, we often don't want to look at our shit because it's always somebody yeah. else's fault. Like yes. think about everybody that, you know, a hundred percent of the people, well, 99.9, right? It's somebody else's fault. Yes. But it takes that one particular person to own their shit. So when you were able to finally, okay, this is how I'm showing up. What did that right. do for you in your heart in that point? Um, I, I think it allows for when you own your, your own shit and, and stop blaming it, blaming others. Um, it allows you to heal better. Is it, did it allow you uh, though? Like what did it do for you? That's my um, question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it has. Okay. It's, it's given me the freedom to heal. 
um, heal the way I need to heal. It's given me the the freedom to forgive, um, mm. which is still something I'm I'm working on. It's not an overnight thing. Right. Um, it's a daily reminder. It's a um, yes, it is a choice. I, I ask you that because number one, you're a marine. Yeah. You're a police officer. You got this killer beard. That well, most grown ass men <laughs> wish they could like. You guys got to jump on YouTube to see it. This thing, this beard could have its own social security number. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty dope, and it's fire red too. It's crazy. Um, but to be able to put your pride down and be like, you know what, I'm. This is how I'm showing up in this, and I'm willing to look at it so that I can heal from it. Yeah. That's big, dude. Well, That's one big. thing I've learned, you know, bitterness does nothing for you. You know, wishing ill on somebody else is like trying to, or you're wishing they would die and you drink the poison. It's not going to happen. If you drink the poison, you're going to die. Right. And somebody else isn't going to die from you drinking poison, you know. So that's what bitterness does. I don't even know you're pissed off at them. Yeah. That's crazy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, shit, man. Hey, and all it's going to do is hurt yourself. And your family. Yep. And those that you love and those that are close to you. And your kids. And affect your quality of life. and Everything, dude. And honestly, yep. like, your body and the pain. Like, pain is pain, dude. Well, and Yeah. Like, even emotional pain can really trigger physical pain. Oh, absolutely. I was just getting ready to say that. Yep. Um, it's just nuts how this – it's crazy how amazing our body is. Yes. And especially when you go through trauma and you can literally hold that event in your body and your body is in pain. Believe it or not. Go check out The Body Keeps a Score. Uh, it's a book. But real quick, real quick, Nate, I want to hit on something really cool before we run out of time. Although we don't yeah. really run out of time because it's my show and I go as long as I want. But right. <laughs> I really want to, I really want to hit on this because I think it's super special. Okay. Okay. You, how did you find ATF, aka Adaptive Training Foundation here in Carrollton, Texas? How did you find them and what did going through that program, what did it do for you? What did it give you? Um, I guess, um, my ex wife found them when we were still together, uh, back in 16. Um, she'd seen, found, I don't know if somebody had shared something with her, one of his video, one of their videos. Um, and I, I remember telling me something about, it, um, this program and, uh, this guy named David Vora who started it. He's an NFL linebacker. Um, met Travis Mills and started this place um, called the Adaptive Training Foundation, a gym for people with amputations and spinal cord injuries and traumatic brain injuries and whatnot. And I always thought that sounded cool. And then um, I got back from a ski trip um, in February of, when was it? February of, I don't remember when exactly it was. I guess it was. It was short, shortly after. 17. 17. Yeah. yeah. February 17. I got back from a ski trip, a veteran ski trip. Um, and I was checking my messages. And I got this one that said, hey, Nate, this is Maddie with ATF. And I got your application. And I'd love to talk to you about it. Well, I'm thinking ATF, like alcohol, tobacco, like firearms. <laughs> Yeah, and this is when I was does. still. This was still when I was employed with the Tennessee Police Department, and I was planning on going back to work for him. Yeah, at the time, doing something, you know, working as a civilian or whatever. Um, and uh, so I get this message, and I didn't open it yet. And I said something to my my ex, and we were on our way to the chiropractor. And I said, "Hey, I got this message," and I read it to her. She's like, "Oh yeah, I I might have signed you up for that." Oh, I'm she like, signed you up? I'm like, what? Wow. You put an application in for ATF? <laughs> like, it's, it's not what you think it is. I'm like, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. You know, I, I, I'm not necessarily looking to go to the alcohol tobacco firearms. <laughs> I mean, that would be kick-ass, but 
Uh, she's like, no, it's it's this adaptive program. So I called Maddie, who used to be the I forget what her title was. It's all right. Uh, but you used to like the input <laughs> and applications and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I called her up, and she's like, "Yeah, we want to have you come out for this program." I said, "Okay." So they flew me down and um, put me up in a a condo with a another vet who's a above the knee amputee. Also, he was with the Coast Guard. Yeah. Um, what, what? His, his name was uh, David Karras. Well, not his name was. His name is. He's still around. He lives down in Florida. <laughs> and we had a we had a great time. We had this nice little apartment, fully furnished apartment, and uh, <laughs> would go go Excuse work me. out every day. And he actually worked for uh, he was the head puppy raiser for Southeastern Guide Dogs. And uh, that's cute. They ended that's up cute. giving him uh, his own dog because he has a pretty severe traumatic brain injury as well. And so it's trained, he's trained to help with TBIs and things like that, help calm you down. Amazing dog. His name's Bob, B-O-B-B. And uh, Bob loves everybody. Black Lab, just gorgeous dog. Um, He would, David would let him go out to some buddies, you know, overnight sometimes. He especially loved the women. The Bob just Who, loved Bob or women. Dave? Bob. Uh-huh. Bob loved the women. Bob. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Bob's I'm, the I'm dog, sure Dave guys. Did too. I'm sure Dave did too. Bob, but Bob, Bob is the Bob dog. The dog. <laughs> Bob the dog loved women, especially. But he loved everybody, but especially Lab. They're, they're, they're yeah. fun. Labs are amazing. Yeah. So you guys, yeah. you came down. Yeah. And what did you... Go through... Going through um, ATF was really cool. You know, I've always been a pretty physically fit person or, or, you know, I've I've been real big into CrossFit since I got out of the Marine Corps. Uh, Loved, loved the whole aspects of it. And I was very fit. Um, I was, I was probably more fit going through CrossFit and stuff when I got out of the Marine Corps and getting ready, get, I was getting ready to become a cop. uh, Then when I left the Marine Corps and we PT'd, you know, every day. Um, and a lot of the CrossFit stuff was very similar, you know, a lot of body weight movements and push-ups and sit-ups and running and crap like that. Um, but it, it's just, it was just different. It was fun. Um, you were working out with this group of people and you'd cheer each other on, um, you know, and, and try and, compete against each other you know try and beat each other's times and scores <laughs> it was just fun um so i, I was i've always been a, a pretty physically fit person um then obviously i had my accident and you know there, you don't know what you can do um and i came to atf and it was a learning experience for me as i'm sure it was for them being their first blind athlete you know oh, yeah. you can't just say you yeah. know <laughs> look at this and I want you to do this. Well, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing. You got to show, put my hands on it and show me what you want me to do. So I, I know it was a big learning experience for them as well. Um, but when I left, uh, I was in probably the best shape I've been in a long time. Um, I was pulling, um, well, when my, my oldest son, he came down, uh, well, they all came down for a visit, but, uh, my oldest son ended up staying with me for, I don't know, three weeks um, down here. Oh, and that wow. was cool. Just getting to spend time with him. Uh, he'd come to the gym with us and just, you know, be on his phone on the bleachers while we're working out. And uh, they had a sled. They wanted me, or that my dad, or not my dad, uh, my son, he saw somebody pulling the sled and he was like, Dad, I want you to pull me on that sled. I said, Okay, I'm down. And so I'm like, Let's pull him on i want to pull him on that sled and i'm you know walking with a cane and stuff and so they strap me up to this harness and they he gets on it and he he's he's not a little kid either i mean at the time this was he's almost 17 now um but this was in six or 17 so it's a few years ago yeah uh but he was about the same size i was um so I ended up pulling him on the sled for a little ways. And he's like, now, dad, 
I want to pull you. I said, all right, let's all do right. it. So he pulled me, and that was pretty cool. Um, having him pull me on the sled, and we got video of it and stuff, and it, it was awesome. So what has ATF given back to you? What is this gym, this community, this amazing just – you you well let me back up. You ended up moving down here to Dallas. Yes, I did. I did because of ATF. Um, they ended up. Uh, you know, I graduated uh, class nine, uh, my first class, um, and then you know I, I went on quite a few trips and stuff with other veteran groups and uh, the BVA, the Blind Veterans Association, and mm. different things like that. And uh, I think probably that first year after my accident maybe year and a half after my accident i think the longest i was home this is up in kansas city was maybe not even a full week <laughs> i mean i would i would go on a trip i'd come back for a couple days get some new clothes and stuff and i was gone again um and it was it was good for me to travel and and to know that i'm capable of traveling even by myself um you know it was it was worrisome at, at first you know because i'm like man what am i gonna do i'm a blind guy in an airport by myself in a wheelchair how am i gonna get places you know mm -hmm. well you just gotta ask <laughs> you know and, and, and some people some people are you know not as good as other people you make but, it sound so know, difficult <laughs> yeah you just gotta ask <laughs> yeah you just gotta ask and uh you know, uh, you, you're sitting there. I'm sitting there waiting for the plane, but I'm sitting there drinking my coffee. I'm like, man, I really got to piss, but I don't know where the bathroom is. So I'm, <laughs> I, I start listening. You know, I'm listening to music or whatever. I turn my music off and I start listening around for people around me. I'm like, you know, I just call out, excuse me, you know, hey, can somebody help me get to the bathroom? I, I got to go. And so <laughs> they come and help me get to the bathroom. Well, you... So you're here in Dallas. <laughs> yes. We're still getting back to ATF. I'm telling you, yes. we can go like 10 different directions. Yes. <laughs> we can do no, this you're all fine. day. You're fine. And I want to, trust me, but the then the episode's going to be like three hours and I'm not Joe Rogan. Right. So we're not going to do that. Um, but what what did ATF give you? What I mean, what was, what, what um, was this they, whole thing? They, get, they give me a sense of, of pride and belonging. Um and I, I know um, I'm blanking on what they call or the when before we'd go go do a workout we'd we'd be with Mo in the recharge room and do doing some meditation and things mm -hmm. like that and there was there was one um, assignment or whatever that he gave us that we had to come up this over a weekend I think and come up with a word or a, a mantra to say to ourselves when we're, you know, in the thick of it mm -hmm. and we don't think we can go any further, uh, you know, when we're pushing out reps and we don't think we can push out one more rep, but we say this mantra to ourselves, and it really, it, it empowers you. Mm -hmm. Um, cause when you believe you can do something, you can do it. You, we can, we can all do anything we want to. We just have to believe it and just go out there and do it. Um, but quite honestly, I you know I kind of forgot about it until we were supposed to turn it in or whatever and say what our mantra was. And I'm like, oh shit, I, I got to come up with a mantra. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, you know what, I I can do anything. I can do anything, and that was my mantra. <laughs> um, I'd be in a rep, you know, doing reps of you know push-ups or sit-ups or whatever or bench press i'm like man i don't think i can do it i don't think i can do another one i'm like i can i can do anything uh -huh. i can do anything and it empowers you and you end up pushing more out and it, it's amazing uh the what our minds are capable of mm -hmm. and how much uh power our mind has over our body that's incredible, dude. Now, there there is one last thing I want to leave the listeners with. Yeah. Because this is pretty damn special. And when I heard it, I almost cried like a baby. But there's another organization here in DFW called Carry the Load. Yeah. And if you don't know them, we're going to put a plug in for them. They are an amazing organization. Yes, they are. Founded by a few uh, former Navy SEALs. One Navy SEAL. Was it two Navy SEALs? 
I that I don't remember. Well, I don't remember the specifics. Well, definitely a Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL. Yes. <clears throat> I'll put all their info below. The whole reason I'm bringing them up, they have been huge supporters of ATF since the very beginning. Matter of fact, they let David rent out a little space behind their office building, you know, as like a little gym area when they started. And they're just really good people. And I know a lot of a few of them on the board on a personal level, and they're just really good people. But the whole concept of carry the load is, you know, sometimes we got to go take a walk. Yeah. But when you're taking, like, who are you going to carry, though? Who who are you going to remember? They honor all the police officers, firefighters, military, first responders that we've lost. And uh, the main hub is here in Dallas. So they do a nationwide walk. And Memorial Day weekend, they finish it here in Dallas uh, at Revershawn Park. <clears throat> Excuse me. Where you walk for, like, 24 hours. You, yeah. can, you can walk for 24 hours. Uh you know, with a little bib with the names of the people that you want to remember. You can camp out there. You can eat there. But it's a whole, like, hundreds and hundreds of people w- that are just hurting or that want to remember the ones that, they, that, they, that they've lost. Lost. It is beautiful, the tributes that yeah, they have out there. You just got to see it. But there was one year, I think it was 2017. Matter of fact, I think it was the year that I walked. I didn't know you guys yet. Um. You are walking with David and the family, yep. and something special really happened. Can you take our listeners back to what happened when you started the walk, how long you walked, and what happened towards the end? Um, yeah, we. I started walking with DB um, at the beginning, and we just we just walked. You know, I I was just holding on to his elbow, and we were just walking. I was walking with my cane and. Uh, my sport cane, not my long cane. And your prosthetic. Uh, yep, and my prosthetic. Yep. And we're just walking. And we'd walk for a while and we'd stop when we need to stop, take a break, and uh, go drink some beer when we need to drink some beer and just keep walking. And we just walked all night. Um, it wouldn't stop unless we had to go to the bathroom or eat something or drink get a drink. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And I, I think that beer helped keep us going. <laughs> For sure, because there was time, man. It, it felt like my ankle was toast. It was done. Uh, I thought for sure that thing broke all apart again. Yeah. Because um, it hurt so bad, and I we'd we'd walk a mile or so. All right, I got I got to stop. I got to sit down for a minute. Well, we don't. There's not a spot to sit for another, you know, three hundred yards or so. All right, let's make it to there. So we'd go, and then sometimes. Sometimes we'd stop, and sometimes I'd forget to. to oh yeah, we we just passed that a while back. We'll 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 get the next one, you know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. It was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, we just walked. Um, and I, I I don't even remember how many miles I walked that first year, but it was it was a lot. It, it's the longest I'd walked on, on a prosthetic, for sure, all night long. Well, it got. To I, the- didn't, I didn't stop and sleep. Well, it got to the point where your your stump was not doing good yeah and what's this whole thing with pelican where you'd have to say pelican like when you needed to stop you'd say pelican or something and you would just pick your leg up and they would hold you up yeah yeah i I don't yeah i probably did say something like that and i don't remember what it was the my specific word it might have been pelican i don't remember but i'd be walking with them and then we'd stop for a minute and my leg was hurting or my ankle was hurting and they would just They'd hold you. Pick me up by my arms. And I, you know, so, cause I, there wasn't no, no place to sit. So they'd just pick me up. We didn't walk or anything. We just, they just picked me up. Uh, so I wasn't on my feet. <clears throat> now share, can you share with us the last thing when it was at the very end and you had a choice to go straight, you could, you could walk through the field of flags or go straight to the tent and rest. What happened there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had the choice of, you know, we could walk through where the the flags were or cut through and go sit down. I'm like, he DV was telling me that all these flags are up, you know, for all the service members that have been lost since 9-11. And, I mean, there's just thousands of them. All and the it's mini just flags amazing. in the grass. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, fuck it. Let's let's go through the flags. I, w- I want to go through there. I want to walk by the flags. You know, that's, that's why we're here. We're carrying the load of those who we've lost and that are hurting. 
let's do it. So instead of taking a shortcut, you guys went through the field of flags. Yeah. yeah. And we finished it. After how and long was, after how long of walking? Twenty four hours. That's incredible, dude. That's incredible. And if, if y'all haven't seen these, this is a literal literally a field of flags. Little tiny baby flags you put in the grass. This whole like area just covered in thousands, literally for every person you've lost. It is so beautiful. Uh, go to the uh, carrytheload.org to go check it out. Go Google it. I mean, you'll see it. But wow, what a, what an incredible way to finish that, huh? Yeah. It makes you feel very patriotic and, um, you know, makes you feel very glad that you served. Um, and even if you didn't serve in the military, per se, you know, to be supporting those who have served. It's so patriotic. Yeah, because DV's not a vet, but he he's a retired NFL f- football player. He comes from a family of veterans. Yep. And his just heart and passion and drive for first responders, it, just people in general. It's not just – Yeah. There's no special demographic. We're all just beautiful in his eyes, and how amazing is that? You know? Yeah. It is. Like, I'm just like, he, he's an amazing person. He really is. He sweats a lot too, by the way. He does what? <laughs> he sweats. He sweats a lot. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> I say that because I just came literally from the gym, turned the camera on, and started this podcast with you. And he was working out, and we did a little fist bump, and I just got all his sweat all over my hand. I'm like, oh, this is funny, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you nasty. <laughs> but no, he. At least uh, it's not any other body fluids. Hey, if I had anybody's body fluid on me, I'd rather it be DVs than some of the people I've Very met. true. Very true. Yeah, because he like <laughs> he will shower a hundred times a day, and he's very meticulous about his hair, and he's a very clean dude. That I do know. So, yeah, there's some nasty mother truckers out there. <laughs> yes, there are. But real quick, I think um, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. Okay. But damn it, Nate! Thank you for. Absolutely. What? I'm just like, dude, I hear your story all the time. And just like, I hope somebody out there takes away something really cool from this. And I know yeah, somebody I hope will. So too. I know somebody will. But with that, everything that we talked about, I'm going to put some links down below, uh, whether you, uh, whether my listeners are streaming on the platforms or YouTube or what have you, we're going to put links. And I'm going to put a really sexy ass picture of Nate's beard. Only his beard for the cover art, because I think it'd be freaking hilarious. Nice. <laughs> well, real quick, Nate, any last words you want to let the listeners know, the viewers? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say, you know, especially if you're if you're ever struggling with something, you know, especially self-worth or, you know, suicide especially, reach out, call somebody. Or, or if you're not struggling with something like that, but you know someone who might be in a spot in a dark spot reach out to them a phone call could make a huge difference i mean it it could make i mean it literally life and death in some instances mm-hmm. uh, there's there was times when i was in such dark places and i would call somebody and we we would talk for three or four hours in the middle of the night and that you know what that kept me from killing myself so reach out, uh, reach out to each other, take care of each other, um, and love each other. Just love. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing is just love everyone, no matter what. Yep. I think, I think that's a good way to end this episode, man. <laughs> I think it's a great way. So don't jump off. I'm going to say goodbye to my, my amazing listeners and YouTube peeps. Yes, All right. Don't jump off, Nate, but I'm okay. going to let them go, but you hang tight, okay? Okay. All right, guys. Well, there you had it. That was Nate the Great with the amazing beard. Um, seriously, we like to mess around, joke around here, but this is this is us just having conversation. This is literally us on phone calls and every time we talk. And I really hope you can take away something from this episode. I know you're not alone. And hell, man, if, if this is really impacting you, leave a comment, send us a message, Follow us on Instagram. If you want to reach out to Nate, get a hold of me and I will get with Nate. 
And we'll, yeah. we, you know, if you want to talk to him or shoot the shit or whatever, I know he will help out. He's done it before and he'll continue to do it. But with that, make sure you subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff that's going to make us um, more popular on YouTube and on Spotify and on Apple and all that fancy jargon. Because we can't do this without you and this show can't go on without you guys. So we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And stay tuned for some more amazing guests. 